On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hey out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 130th edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, brought to you by me, your host, Mac B, the Wolf. And I will be joined, as always, by my partner in crime from the East Coast of the U.S., Gary Action Jackson. And we appreciate everybody who tuned in to our review of Dio's Holy Diver as it's turning 40. Hard to imagine that. And we appreciate everybody who tuned in to our episodes on Metallica Live, the first two nights of the M72 World Tour, which I was able to witness in Amsterdam, my former hometown. They have soldiered on. I think they've already played Paris. And as I'm recording this, they are gearing up to play in Germany here shortly. Ambitious tour, two nights, one city, no repeats, in the set list, killer stage, a lot of fun. Shows you the majesty of rock. And it makes you wonder who else could do that? Who else could command a stadium, a rock act that is, not Taylor Swift, but who else in the rock and roll world could do that? Who has the catalog? Who has the fan base? And it's not too many of them, right? And going forward, I wonder how many there will be because everyone's talking about how rock is dead. And record companies aren't investing in rock bands anymore. And it just seems that generally pop music with rappers and solo artists is just what people are more into now. used to be rock and roll ruled the airwaves, but there's also R&B and there's also rap and there's also pop. But now it seems like rock has just been pushed aside culturally and the record companies aren't doing anything to help them. And so it's harder and harder to find the new rock bands out there. Well, this week, we're profiling a band and talking about a new album coming out June 2nd, and that's Rival Sons and their killer new album, Dark Fighter. I gotta admit, one of the thrills of having this show and being in the business is that on occasion, we get to hear new albums before they come out. People send us stuff saying, hey, here's a new album, maybe you'd like to interview their folks. And a lot of times, it might be good, but it's not a great fit for our show. Maybe it's not quite rock and roll or it's just so odd it's like finished death metal i'm like yeah i mean that might be good but that's not really what we're into you know we're kind of that classic rock 60s 70s 80s that's what most of the albums we review are a part of that's what most of the musicians that we get on the show was basically their heyday but thankfully i was forwarded rival son's new album dark fighter before it came out say hey if you want to talk to scott holiday the lead guitar player and main songwriter in the band, along with Jay Buchanan, his singer and songwriting partner, eh, we could do that for you. So I'm like, all right, well, I know a couple Rival Sons songs. I know they're a good hard rock band, but eh, I just don't know them very well. Shame on me and shame on you if you didn't know Rival Sons. I know it's not your fault because it's not like they're playing it on MTV or something like that. Probably not playing it on classic rock radio, but these guys kick ass. And this album is killer. It's so good. And it's like you take all the stuff that we love from the 60s and 70s and 80s, you mix it up together into something brand new, and it's awesome. And I think you guys will really like it, even though you're probably stuck in, if it didn't come before 1995, I don't want to hear it. I know. I'm guilty of that myself. I understand. But we're going to keep rock alive. There's got to be a new generation of bands. And if anyone's doing it, it's these guys. They have opened for the biggest bands in the world over the years, like Kiss, Aerosmith, Van Halen, Black Sabbath. Evanescence, Stone Temple Pilots, huge bands. And of course, now they're touring 
as a headliner in their own right, but they've played all over the world and they continue to march forward. They've really only had one changeover. I think they had a, they switched out the bass player after a few years, but very consistent. Same band for the last 10 years, about to put up their eighth and ninth album in 15 years. They tour relentlessly. They are a rock and roll band. And this new album is awesome. So we're going to talk to Scott here in a little bit about it. First, of course, though, we do have a little bit of business to take care of. We have to say that we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a network of about 100 different shows, not all rock and rollers, genres in there, something for everybody, and we're proud members. You can go to PantheonPodcast.com to learn more about it, and there is an app you can get at the App Store for Pantheon Pods that has all the different episodes on there. And we want to encourage you to visit our sponsors, RareVinyl.com. Guys, Rare Vinyl's been our sponsor for almost a year now. Uh, and we've had uh, hundreds of folks check out their site because of that. And because we give you a nice discount. If you use the code UGLY, and that's a new code, UGLY, U-G-L-Y, you can save 10% off your orders. Now, the old one, podcast, still works. I believe you can only use these once, though. So you got something special that you want from them. They've got over a quarter million items in stock. They've got a five-star rating from Trust Radius. They've got an amazing team who not only procures this and catalogs it, but makes sure it gets to you in one piece, and they ship all over the world. So if you're in Montana or Mozambique, you can go to rarevinyl.com and find a treasure that you want. And then use code UGLY, it'll save yourself 10%. And if you want to make a couple orders over time, I think podcast still works. So you can make one order with podcast and one with UGLY if you need to go back again. But the fact of the matter is, guys, they've got an amazing array of stuff in there. Great folks to work with. And it helps our show. So looking for something special. Father's Day is coming up. Get something for yourself. Get something for your dad or your grandpa. Pick out something and say, hey, honey, this is what I want. Why don't you just get this? And here's a code to save you 10%. Thanks. Use Ugly. Save yourself 10% on RareVinyl.com. Now back to Scott Holiday. This guy is cool, man. A real rock star but also a real fan of the rock and roll that we love. If you've been listening to this show and you know the albums that we review and the concerts we review, you're going to like Rival Sun's new album. And I think you'll like some of their older ones as well. But I think you'll like this conversation with Scott because he's about our age, maybe a little bit younger. He kind of grew up the same way. Lots of MTV, lots of classic rock in his house and on the radio. And that's how he helped forge his sound, Mr. Fuzzlord himself, into this killer, kick-ass band, Rival Sons, which are going so strong today. And they'll be touring. Again, they're road warriors. They tour all over the world. They're going to be in the UK. So all of our friends in London and the UK need to go see them. Are they playing the Roundhouse? I can't remember. But they're also coming to Louder Than Life here in Louisville this fall, and I can't wait for that. So let's jump in. Jackson and I are going to talk a little bit, and then we're going to jump on with Scott Holiday of Rival Sons. Right here on The Wolf. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, 
or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. I got to tell you, man, every time I hear of this new Rival Songs album, Dark Fighter, I like it more. I mean, it's one that just keeps growing on me. Every time I hear it, I pick out something like, damn, that's good, dude. Or they, they've got their act together. You know, I mean, I know they're not rookies, uh, but this is cool. Yeah, this is this is a fantastic record. And I, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat with you. I like it more the more times that I hear it. There are There are albums where you listen to them and you're like, yeah, yeah. After the you know the fourth or fifth run through, you're like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But to your point, you start you hear, oh, I never, I never heard that before. Or maybe you pick up a little more on the lyrics. Like, is that what he's talking about? I don't know. So yeah, this is this is good. This is a very very good record. And I'm kind of shocked, given who they've toured with over the years. Now, of course, now they're a headliner in their own right, as they should be, and they've done huge festivals around the world. But you see. You know, they've toured with and open for people like Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, Kiss, Evanescence, Sammy Hagar, Aerosmith, Stone Temple Pilots. It's kind of surprising that I've not seen them live to this point, you know? Right. Yeah. This is the same thing with me when you said this and you and, you know, you, I started looking at it. I'm like, well, OK, I've never I've never really heard of these guys before. And then somebody pointed out, well, they had that show in a truck commercial last year. I think it was a Chevy off-road truck. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that ad. And I remember thinking, this song sounds cool. And then getting into listening to them. Yeah, why am I so late to the party here? This is awesome. Yeah, and I'm always going to be late to the party. You know me. <laughs> if a band is new, I'll be like, yeah, you know, I don't really know them. I'm in the 70s rock, man. I don't need new rock. Well, this is 70s rock. It's just been made in the last 15 years, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, their influences are pretty obvious to me. Some of the classical blues people, I hear Zeppelin in there sometimes. I definitely hear Bad Company when I hear J.B. Cannon's voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and then other stuff too, you know, maybe even into the 80s. It's like you mm-hmm. took everything that we love, put it in a blender and said, here's something new, but you're going to like it. It just kicks ass. I know, yeah. you know. And look, the other thing is they were on sort of an independent a- a label, Earache, not, not an enormous label. For their first, you know, five records or so. But now they're signed to, uh, it's low country music, but that's part of Atlantic. And obviously Atlantic has had a few big acts over the years. <laughs> One or two. Yeah. Led Zeppelin, uh, Rolling Stones, Genesis, if you've ever heard of that. So, you know, now they've got a little bit more power behind them and their videos. I mean, considering the album still hasn't come out as we're recording this, they've already made three killer Killer videos. Like you always say, what happened to rock bands? Well, MTV kind of ruined them. Well, no, MTV had the power. Videos had the power to really tell the story and take it to the next level. They just kind of lost their way in the 90s. These guys are doing it old school the right way. Yeah, it kind of sounds like, I don't know how old these guys are. I'm guessing they're probably a little younger than we are, but 
I would guess they probably grew up on MTV and missed those days of kick-ass videos. It's obvious to me because their yeah. videos do kick-ass. And the, what's cool is they kind of tell a story, but they kind of tell it in reverse order of how they were released there. Okay. And maybe we'll get a little bit into that with Scott there because I want to know how much fun it was to to make those. But I, you know, I apologize for not being more into them before. Mm. It's, 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 we complain about this all the time when we were young. We got it from MTV, we got it from rock radio, and then we got it from our friends. Well, we never see our friends anymore. That's part of why <laughs> you and I do the show, so we actually get to talk about something that we want. And two, rock radio is still stuck. Like, if it didn't come out by 1993 or so, it's not going to be on the rock radio we listen to. And then, yeah, MTV is, you know, they're too busy showing 16 and Pregnant or Catfish, you know, mm. and they do so show a video it's going to be by a rapper or it's going to be somebody who doesn't play their own instruments right it's it's not rock and roll right but i think then you've got that stuff we were talking about before that like the vh1 classic and you say okay well here are videos that i want to see but again they're all you know you can't go more than 93 and that's it they just cut it off they're stuck in the classic rock rotation as well so i can't wait to learn a little bit more get our listeners to learn a little more I was talking to my buddy uh, who's our age, you know, and, and talking about how, all right, I, I can talk to you in the morning, but then I got to get ready. I'm talking to uh, to the lead guitars from, from Rival Sons. And he's like, what's a Rival Sons? I'm like, what is wrong with you? But I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't say that two months ago, I would have said they're the greatest band keeping rock alive. And I'd say, yeah, I know they're pretty good. I just, I'm not that into them because I haven't had anybody to introduce me. Yeah. You know, I so. think part of the problem too, is you're talking about getting music uh, info from your friends. Well, all of our friends are old too. So I know. Yeah. A bunch <laughs> of old middle-aged men with like <laughs> kids and homes and careers and wives and ex-wives and all that stuff. You know, they said, you've got about 25 years to formulate who you are. Right. And then after that, you're so busy working and doing kids and family stuff that you're, you're not going to squeeze anything new in there. I'm like, that's not true, but it kind of is. <laughs> It kind of is, yeah. Isn't that isn't that the whole Metallica thing? Seventy two seasons. Yeah, yeah. Their first eighteen years, and then after that, they were off and running. But uh, I mean, have you seen the videos? Have you seen the three videos for this album? I've seen them. Yeah. It, well, I've I've watched a whole bunch of videos for them because they have stuff from the older stuff too. Because I went back and uh, right was trying to get like a more like is this always who they were? Is this like a change of pace or something? So mm-hmm. I have seen them. Yes, they and they do look they look very stylized. They look very very cool. Yeah, cool. And it goes from Nobody Wants to Die, which is kind of first single killer, to uh, to then Rapture, which is a little bit different song. It, it's it's kind of got the acoustic breakdown in, in, mm-hmm. in spots, you know. And then the third video is Bird in Hand. And it, chronologically, it, it goes backwards as far as telling the story goes. So I just think it's I think it's killer. Hey, this is Tom and Zeus from Shout It Out Loudcast. And you are listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. 
So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, <laughs> oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business. And I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. Mr. Scott Holiday. Hello, sir. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing all right. Coming to you from uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee today. Well, that's right. You're doing Chattanooga, Atlanta, and then back to Nashville this week, yeah? That's correct. Yeah, man. Well, that's cool, and I, I wish I could see you. I'm just up 65 here in Louisville. Nice. But I'm Mac B, or you can call me The Wolf, and that is Action Jackson coming to you from the east coast of Georgia. The Hello. Wolf. And Action Jackson. You prefer <laughs> Mac or the Wolf? <laughs> that depends on who's asking. My grandmother called me Mac. But uh, anything, you, you can call me really anything, man. Uh, as much as I like this new album, you want to call me an asshole the whole time. I got the problem with that. <laughs> well, if you hey. like the record, that's the opposite of what I'm going to call you. <laughs> that's my job thank to call you an asshole. <laughs> that's right. Jackson's got that covered most of the time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on. You know, and we want to talk about we want to talk about the new album a little bit. But we want to talk. You know, we, our listeners are like us. They're old. Uh, they're, they're guys in their fifties <laughs> for the most part. And we do a lot of seventies and eighties rock. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and I can tell that you've got a lot of influences from that genre. But I, I want to kind of learn about how you. I mean, you've got your own sound now. That's for sure. And I can. Sure, anybody can pick out, ooh, that sounds a little bit like Zeppelin or Bad Company, or there's a little STP in there maybe even from something a little bit newer. But I want to uh, hear more from you about developing your sound and, and, and as far as not only where you are, but in going forward, how do you develop that? How do you get the influence? And then is it conscious, ooh, I hear that, I want to work that in. It's just you make your own stuff and then later it's like, yeah, maybe that's where I picked that up from. Absolutely. It's totally like that. Yeah. I think every artist goes through that in, in any medium. If you're a writer or a painter or, or certainly a musician, it's just you're, you're constantly around the music you love. And you might write something and realize it was a jingle from a commercial later. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought that was an original thing. That was that like Glade commercial, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like we get jingles in our head and melodies and tones. And honestly, for the age that I am in, you know, this is our, our these are our uh, eighth, ninth records, mm -hmm. technically. It's a lot of music. It's, it's a lot of stuff that we've condensed and like evolved and tried to make our own and pulled from different influences. So for me, I, I, 
collect records. I have kids that listen to music and mm -hmm. collect and people that like music around me. And it's always around. I'm always searching. It's, it's generally less rock and roll these days. It's even more into jazz and world music. And especially for the guitar, I'm looking to a lot of other instruments for melody and rhythm and, and, and just for inspiration. So I'll, I'll, I'll look to a, a horn or a drum as much as I'll look to like a seventies rock guitar player these mm -hmm. days, you know? Yeah. So I was watching your, uh, the rig rundown you did where you talked about the guitars and the, and the amps and everything. And they had the pedal, you went through the pedal board. Is that the yeah. same thing? Is that's not a static thing. I'm guessing you're always looking for, Ooh, what is that? Always. I mean, really, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not like trying to accumulate things, which is probably what it looks like from the outside <laughs> to people. Um, and I actually tell people don't accumulate. That's, it's kind of uninspiring. Like you, you don't, the beautiful thing is like, you know, I, I'm a fan of like the distill movement. Like give me three colors. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to, you know, paint something great with the least amount of color or, or shape or work that I can do. Let's work with that. Because once everything is available, it's like you kind of just end up sitting there twiddling your thumbs like... <laughs> too many choices, yeah. <laughs> too many choices. So, you, you know, I never would have started with this massive guitar rig that I have today. But what happened is I started with a couple of essentials. I started with my distill movement, my my black, red, white, or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that would be like a, a maybe one fuzz box, maybe one delay pedal. And maybe a, a, a wah pedal. That's it. Even with this band. Even when I had built other rigs with other bands, when I got to this band, I started over. That's <laughs> it. I'm just going to have these few things. And you can kind of hear that if you uh -huh. go back to Before the Fire. There mm -hmm. it is. He's not using very much stuff. I'm not using very much stuff. It's like a fuzz, a wah, and a, maybe a slap delay. That's it. And that's it. And then I made another record. And after I made another record, I went, well, I don't want to just use that, 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 because it's a new, I want to incorporate some new sounds. So let's throw a Univibe into the mix and maybe let's throw this other long delay thing in there and, and maybe, I don't know, a phaser. I don't know. It'll be cool mm -hmm. on a couple of these tunes or whatever. I'm yeah. just building in the studio. I'm not premeditating. I want to put this on my board. I'm just kind of opening the palette up. And if you do nine records of opening the palette up, <laughs> <laughs> it gets pretty intense man sure. it gets pretty intense and i could probably fudge things here and there and i actually still do that but that's why i have so much crazy amounts of stuff and crazy guitars i also like to work with a lot of different tunings and some songs have more than one tuning so what did i do sometimes i'll learn how to play you know the the same part on on one tuning sometimes mm -hmm. i'll build a double neck so i have both tunings nice but i've done this so i have like on tour with me now i have two double necks in different tunings and i think i have i mean i think i brought 12 guitars with me or something on this tour because i'll generally have like a the guitar and a backup for you each gotta have tuning. a backup yeah mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So don't kids don't go out. There's no kids <laughs> listening to this podcast. Let's not bullshit each other. That's but not folks, even close. Don't, don't <laughs> worry about building crazy massive things, but it's cool to have a closet full of goodies 
when you really, really need a new color or a new flavor, you know? That's cool. Mm. That's cool. I like the idea of like of like Van Gogh. Like when he needed a new color, he had to go out hunting for the color and figure out how to make it. I kind of like that a lot. So like if you really need something, maybe you don't need a closet of goodies. Maybe you need to just like use what you have, try to get that color you're looking for in the guitar. And if you can't find it, go really hunt and find that very particular special color and then bring mm-hmm. that in very carefully. Nice. Yeah, I, I like the idea you were talking about when you've got a sound in your head, you want it to sound exactly like that, not eh, close enough and move on. It's very particular. If it's there, if it's in your head, you want it to come out exactly like that on the record. And after you do it for a while, you start to hear those sounds become a little more defined and, and you start to feel what you connect with. You know, there's, there's, uh, you know, a lot of people know I'm a, I'm a fuzz connoisseur and appreciator, <laughs> and there's so many different variants now, and so many great builders and pedals. But it seems sure. like I'm always really most drawn to a certain variant, even though I'll use all of them. There is a variant that I'm very closer to that that it sounds like what I like in my head, and it's actually like the beginning of fuzz for me. What I really connect with is like that early Yardbirds. Uh, tone bender mark one tone bender or the uh maestro fc1a like a very velcro-y direct self-gating fuzz and i think it's just because i grew up and went backwards and heard guys like jeff back and young Mm -hmm. jimmy page use that fuzz and thought that is so cool and i'm so excited when i hear it like i can i almost transported myself while i would listen to it as a kid and go I can hear how that's exciting back then when all you had was overdrive and a Vox amp. When that thing entered the picture, mm-hmm. it was such a whole, it was like everybody was painting in like gray and white and black in shades. And all of a sudden they had hot paint. Like, <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. You know, so I still feel like when I hear it today, when I use it, when I hear other people use that kind of a tone, I go, wow, that's dynamic. And it's, it just really is cuts like a knife, you know? Yeah. As far as the process goes for songwriting, I mean, I know that the band is pretty collaborative and everybody gets rights on the albums, but it, it does seem like you and Jay are kind of the, the drivers of that on this one, because you're kind of doing this during the pandemic, right? Was, was yeah. What, what, what kind of challenge? Because I feel like on pressure and time, you're like, no, look, we're going in, we're doing this in three weeks. We're getting it done. You know, we're working this out, but suddenly you have all this time on your hands, yeah. right? And you're not in yeah. the same room necessarily, maybe not even in the same city. So how was that different this time around? Yeah, it, it was exactly like you're thinking. We we went, I mean, all of our records up until Feral Roots were like that. They mm-hmm. were like quick. They were inside of a month. And then Feral Roots, we took a little extra time, maybe like six weeks, I think. And that's your first like, wow. tour with Atlantic, right? Or for low country music. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. We just, we, we had a little bit of time right there. We felt mm-hmm. like we had a pocket, you know, we had finished this big tour with Sabbath that we were on for 13 months forever. And we just went, let's take our time. Like we mm-hmm. made a lot of statements here. Let's just take a minute. Let's write it a little bit different. Let's get a little more focused about it. And then, uh, we did that. Me and Jay spent more time. This record, we did that even deeper. We spent more time. We actually really got on the same page and much more just me and Jay passing music back and forth and mm-hmm. working like that. And then we didn't, 
write the whole record and then go record it. We wrote a group of songs, went into the studio with, with Dave Cobb and had a, one week. That's all he could give us a week because wow. he was managing, you know, he had shut the studio down for quite a few months, you know, sure, yeah. he, it had backed up. So now it's a huge log, a huge list of all these like a list Grammy holding super <laughs> musicians going, I got a record band. I got to make my record. So everybody kind of had to like get in there. Sure. So we did our week and, of course, we're not finishing the record in a week. And of course, we could tell right when we started to write, this is a bigger idea. This is less pressure in time and probably something even more heady for us than uh, Feral Roots. We're moving in a different direction with it, you know, cool. and we should see it through. We should see it through. Not that we want it to get more and more complex or more and more heady. Frankly, that could be annoying, but this is an honest record. It's a record from our heart. It felt really genuine and not with a lot of pretense for us. It felt visceral still, even in, in it's like intellectualness or headiness that we were, were kind of coming up with and, or what just seemed to be showing up, you know? So we spent a lot of time back and forth going for a week, uh, record as much as we can. Even we even wrote while we were in there and then brought it all home. And we all have recording setups at home and, and recorded at home as well. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And then we'd come home, reflect, record, write a whole bunch more. Three months, four months later, go back in for a week. And okay. of course, we're knowing we're not going to get it done because we wrote more songs and we kind of worked <laughs> right. on what we had. So let's load what we had into the master session. And we want to do these ones now. Also, would write a little bit while we're there. It's just you're doing the full thing, and we just that went on and on for better part of two years. And finally, they get to see the light of day here. Thank yes. goodness, man. Because Dark Fighter is it's so fucking good, dude. Pardon my French. I love this record, and we were just talking before you came on. Every time I hear it, I like it a little bit better. Like I find I pick something out. I'm like, dude, that's badass. Or what's that tone coming from? I, I I've been racking my brain over some of the tone you use on Rapture. I'm like. Damn it, I can't figure out where he got that from. I mean, it's from you, obviously, but you, you've heard it before, too. It's from somewhere in the ether, and I don't know what it is yet, but it's awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate that enthusiasm. I'm proud of the record, proud of the tones. I love the song Rapture. I love what Jay's doing on it. And I'm proud of what we all put together. You know, it's funny talking about pulling from influences and stuff of course of course we do that and a lot of times we don't know there are mm -hmm. times we very much know and i have no problem i have no problem doing it and it's it's a tip of the hat you know what i mean that's that's another thing exactly. less than rip, ripping somebody off or acting like you don't know where it came from i mean it trips me out when you can hear an artist blatantly doing a very famous thing and they're like oh yeah i didn't know like really <laughs> sure you didn't like you're a musician <laughs> I'm not saying you ripped off like, you know, like uh, some like deep, deep, you know, German composer. I, I'm this is Zeppelin you ripped off. You don't pick that up. You know, <laughs> you didn't listen to Zeppelin four. That's trippy. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what was so, it? Yeah, Elvis Costello he, said all musicians are a magpie and a thief. Right. You, you have to. <laughs> that's right. I mean, and, and, and that that's a funny, very Elvis Costello way to put it. But we're all basically taking and, and, and our mirrors of our influences and taking from our influences until we are our own, you know? And that's kind of what makes an original artist to a certain degree. Every You borrow from so many different areas that it becomes kind of a new 
color you've made. Exactly. And that's we were talking <laughs> no. about that. We were talking about that before you got on. It's like you took everything that we love, put it in a blender, and said, "Here's something new." That it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't sound like anything else, but it sounds like a callback, like you said, a tip of the hat to these yeah. acts. Yes. Thank you. Because Gosh, who else did that? Let's just think, let's just yeah. think very quickly. Who else <laughs> might have done that very obviously? Does Keith Richards sound a little bit like Chuck Berry? <laughs> That's like, an accident, like, though, right? Have you ever heard him play a solo that isn't Chuck Berry? <laughs> Let me put it that way. <laughs> And I mean, and it's cool, man. It's cool. Like you can hear all their blues influences. I mean, shit, the Beatles and the Stones, those guys didn't even do their own songs for a minute. Right. They just did covers because it's right. like, this is what's cool to us. This is what we want to be. We want to be Stax or we want to be Motown. And we want to be these, these like Chitlin Circuit musicians. They're cool. We don't even really know how to be cool. We're just going to imitate them until we feel like our own cool starts to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and and it's good to use those bands because everybody knows them. And their influences are on their sleeve and very obvious. So it's for, for me, we're doing that same thing, just like everybody is, really. Exactly. Yeah. But, but I did want to say... There comes a point where all of a sudden you get a Stones and you're going, I don't exactly know who else that sounds like. It sounds like the Stones. Like, like even I'll pull it way forward in their career. But if you get to like Tattoo You, you mm -hmm. start hearing those songs and you're like, I kind of hear where they're coming from. But this just really starts to sound like the Rolling Stones. Mm -hmm. That's right. Like, start me up. Who does that sound like? I that sounds like the Stones. I can't even put who else that is. To them, that was kind of a reggae take on a song that they were doing. That was how they described it. Like we were trying to do this really reggae kind of feel, and I'm oh, going, right. I, I don't get that at all. But <laughs> whatever you did do, it's right, and it's the best thing ever. This record for us, I'm not gonna say that we've propelled ourselves to that spot, but that's definitely the idea where I was less thinking like I want this to sound like this or this era or this artist or whatever, and more thinking about color and progression mm -hmm. and, and my own sounds and the things I've reflected on over the years and gravitated towards and just using my own instinct, the effects that nobody's used, things that I haven't heard anywhere else, things that were new to me that I just felt like, ooh, I like that. I like the way that feels. That color is great. I'm going to put that in this song. And it was more innocent in that way, but also more calculated in that way to not be so obviously sounding like uh, my influences. Yeah. Try to sound like the rival sons, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because you've got this killer sound now. But I'll tell you, I wanted to ask before we got into some specific tunes here, there's a couple of places in some of these songs where I hear a little bit of prog influence here. And I just wonder, was that ever... Like Yes or Old Genesis or from the 70s and 80s. Was progressive rock ever on your radar at all? Sure, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up with uncles that were massive. Uh, one of my uncles who really taught me my first, Uncle Ted taught me a lot of my first guitar licks. He was the biggest Rush fan in history. My first oh, cool. stadium show was Rush. Nice. So I, I mean, like 2112 is like tattooed in the back of my brain. All their records, honestly, are... And yes, all the early yes records, less Genesis for me, mm -hmm. but um, even like Zappa, sure. huge influence, huge, huge guitar player for me, tonally and where his mind is and where how he attacked the instrument. It's very important to me and resonates with me always. So 
I mean, there and then there's lots of jazz, just jazz. I mean, just all, all the greats, especially and and highlighted like you know, like the Miles seventies era. You know, mm. like these like free form jams. The band has always been there. Let's we built the band like that. You know, when I f- first played with Miley, that's the kind of stuff we did. Let's not do simple progressions. Let's stay free. Let's just play. Let's use melody. Let's use natural instinct and see where it goes. But then you start to realize, I mean, we want to make songs. Mm-hmm. That's when we started. We want to make songs. But if you go see our show live, there's lots of free form and jamming. And, and I think I've always just wanted to make sure people get their own show every night. And, if, and doing this, A, it satisfies a part of us musically. But it, it puts me in a space that's real genuine and uh, honest and open and raw. Like, I, I can't think. I have to just react. And I like watching all my guys react on stage. I like to react. I like to see where my instincts are. It makes me stay on my toes. And it's fun. And it, like I said, it assures the audience every night gets their own show. We will not play the same thing twice because... <laughs> I will purposefully do something different and throw a wedge at, at the guys. Good. Like, I know you guys are ready for me to go right. Here goes a left. I'm going to do a whole different progression or I'm going to do a whole different ton- tonality or, or dynamic like section. And you're going to have to figure it out. Good luck. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And you're seeing that live and you'll watch us flop. You'll watch us fall on our face. And you know what? Who gives a shit? That's live performance. That's what you go see. That's right. Some of the greatest musicians I've ever watched, jazz musicians do that. And it is so great. It is so affecting and emotional. Like, holy shit, dude. (laughs) This isn't rehearsed. I'm seeing this. This is real. These people are really doing something right now for us that they, it's going to be different tomorrow. You know it because there you can, you're watching it build. So we're trying to do that to some degree on our very low level. (laughs) And on this record, we wanted to present it too and kind of go, let's do that. I mean, that's, this feels appropriate. You're going to hear something real special on Lightbringer. I can't wait for you to hear it because it goes more in this direction than we've ever gone. And um, we've done it with like, manifest destiny we've done it with like hollow bones and we've got we've captured it on record and i think on this record we wanted to give it a little bit more so do you think we were talking about lightbringer real quick which will be out later uh, is it like two albums that go together or are they just stuff you were working on at the same time or was it a conscious stuff we were working on at the same time once mm-hmm. we started to pare down the albums we could i didn't want to put a record out that was an hour and hour and a half hour and 15 minutes it's too long it's yeah. too big of a bite. It's hard to digest. It starts to feel like, uh, I mean, I think people might lose this. And also you might miss some of the stuff that happens. Like, Mac, you were saying that our record, the more you listen to it, the more you, you, you're you getting out there's of layers. it. There's layers. Yeah. There's layers. So our, our, our that's not the first time I've heard that. People say our records are growers, you mm-hmm. know? And that's because they are kind of layered and there's a lot of uh, tonal work and maybe even even work in some of the side of the, the progressions or lyrical work that are, there's more there than you get on the first bite. So um, when we started to pare it down, the whole thing to me was like a pyramid and I could see one side and another side and one side seemed to cast a shadow Mm-hmm. kind of on all the divisiveness and kind of some deeper emotional darker feelings and one side seemed to cast a light on that shadow on kind of uh, a side of 
a set of songs that had a lot of hope in it. And okay. I think this band is a band that has hope. Mm-hmm. You can hear on all of our records, there's hope in the band. And I know that might sound corny to some of the <laughs> listeners here, but it's it's not really. It's not. It's like, that's it's good for music to do that. It's good for art to do that. Life isn't easy. Life is interesting. And when you're getting to your deepest place with art, when you see hope in it, it's important. It's important. It feels good. It's not corny. We're not doing it in a really corny, stupid way. And but the band has always had that element. So I saw one side that that had that light more going. So we decided to move those tracks around like that, and it seemed very clear. These are two bites, and instead okay. of being one hour and fifteen, it's two records that are more like thirty-five minutes each, and that's really digestible conveniently that also is exactly what's going to fit on vinyl and sound good that's right awesome if you if you put too much on vinyl it starts to sound a little you know degraded especially i always tell people this because most people don't know this because you don't make vinyl so no one thinks about it but as you get closer to the center it gets more and more degraded so if you put too much music on there that center track is going to be real fuzzy and kind of like low quality and we don't want it we don't want to do that. So. No, it's not like you're shortchanging this. There, there's all sorts of great stuff packed into these eight songs on Dark Fighter. And you mentioned Hope. That was in my notes on Bright Light, which I guess would be on the, the first side uh, of the LP. It is this side A ender. Side A ender, yeah. And my notes are, it's positive, it's hopeful. And like your run is kind of like the minor notes for the verses. But then for the chorus, then you've got the major notes and it's, it is, it's, it's, it's hopeful. It's like, you know, I'm a victim of a victimless crime, but then a ship will come my way out to rescue me. There's hope in those lyrics, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's beautiful for me to have a partner in JB Cannon like that because uh, I wrote all that music except for that pre-chorus that you were singing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote the, the chorus and the verse and that main melody even that he's singing in the verse it was like one of the first things i wrote for the record it's like cool. we were in this psychotically divisive moment when we started writing with our president with, with trump at the time we're going through like this crazy racial thing with george floyd oh yeah it's frightening it's frightening in like a, a social emotional human way like are you kidding me Yes. Like, this is where we're at. Like, that is, like, really heavy. Like, this shit still happens now. And it's, like, it's real prevalent. And I don't want to be ignorant to it, of course. But it's just, when it hits like that, it feels wrong. And it feels like, come on, man. People. It's not in my life like that. So it's, I don't see it all the time, you know? My mm-hmm. life is really mixed up. And I'm an artist. I got all sorts of weird people. And sure. every... Every uh, uh, race is in my life. Every type of person is in my life. There's not like, there's there's no blocks over here, except for shitty people. Right. You know? <laughs> that's it. There's um, only two kind of people in this world. People you <laughs> like and shitty people. And that's <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Make it easy. But, but going through all the divisiveness, I wanted to write something that felt like it told, musically told the story of like, it's hard and there's hope, you know? <laughs> that's simple. It's simple. It's like I'm not how much can I like conceptualize as a as a musical piece? I don't want to go too over the top. So this was my idea. I got a I got a, a verse section that really tells us a musical feeling of like strife. Okay. And I have a, a chorus section 
that turned around into a feeling of hope, right? Yes. But I give it to Jay, and he writes that pre-chorus in there that just kills me, and then that chorus that just, I'm like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> awesome. You know, you were talking about the the album getting more complex when you listen to it, and it definitely does. But the nice thing about this is right off the bat, it's very accessible. The hooks are great. The riffs are great. So you can listen to it and say, I really enjoyed that. And then as you go down, you know, several listenings later, then you get to, oh, hey, wait a minute. I missed that. I missed that. Whereas, you know, sometimes in, in Prague, you can do that, but that takes a while. Sometimes it's impenetrable at the beginning, but this is not that way at all. This is very... It's almost like an old friend coming to see you. Like, I haven't heard this song. I haven't heard this record before, but it's very, it's very inviting to come into. Thank you. And then you go from there. Man, we're fans of songs. And that's, that's, we've always been a song first. Uh, and, and for me, if I'm just writing guitar parts, the, a, a riff, a hook, like I'm a huge fan of songs that start with a hook and then go into a hooky verse mm-hmm. that go into a bigger hook in the pre-chorus that slam you over the head with a big hooky chorus. Like, <laughs> it's where it's just fun, where you feel like you're on the escalator. Yeah. You're just, you're, you're on the, you're on the mover. Like, man, I just feel like I, I won't, I listened to that whole song and I feel like I got on and I couldn't get off. Like every single part, like Motown is a lot like that. Like just mm. every part does something wonderful. Like, Oh my God, it's just <laughs> so great. <laughs> So we try to embellish that idea into our music and write with that kind of idea. Like, let's not have these like parts that are just like filler, mm-hmm. you know, filler parts. And I don't know if people, maybe everyone thinks that's how they write. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you're, you guys are just a few years younger than we are. We're, we're about 50 and we are definitely children of the MTV generation. And that's how we oh, got yeah. a lot of our music when we were eight, nine, ten threw into teenagers and all that. And I wanted to see how big of an influence MTV was on you, but really want to talk about these three killer videos that you've made so far off this record. They tell great stories. They're stylized. They're fun. And they kick fucking ass, man. I mean, tell me about the experience. And what what about, what does MTV, what did it back in the day mean to you? Oh, I was total MTV kid. I grew up in the 80s. So, yeah, I was... Let's put it this way. When Thriller came out, I, I sat one foot from the TV. Remember the day Thriller came out? They played it back to back to back to back to back to back. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that. On MTV? They, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They yeah. played back to back to back. It was so good. It was like Thriller. Then let's play it again. Then let's talk about it a little. Then let's watch the, the making of. Then we're going to play the video again. Yep. And I remember <laughs> just watching it all day. Like, yeah. Eight hours this far from the TV, just going, this is so cool. This is the coolest thing ever. I never, I want this moment to freeze in time forever. (laughs) And just the early, all the Bowie videos. I mean, honestly, I wasn't into, I wasn't a big like new wave kid because I was so little and my parents were like long hair rock and roll family. Okay. But all the early rock videos and then going into like the late 80s, mm-hmm. all all the hair metal. And, yep. and and then, of course, even into the 90s where it got just like where it just peaked out. And it was like all the that grunge thing, which was when I was in high school and those videos, it was like ruled our it, it ruled our world, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, tell me about, I mean, look, it, so the videos kind of tell the story in reverse order yeah. of you guys as a group of outlaws 
Nobody Wants to Die, killer first single, just a straight ahead rocker with some great guitar trades and some epicness to it. The video kicks ass. Then you go to the Rapture video, which is it's a bit of a game changer as far as, you know, it's not the driving force that the others are. And then Bird in Hand is the third video where you kind of get the backstory of, ah, this is why Fuzz Lord and Mofo and Dave Best are chasing the preacher, man. Now it makes more sense. But I mean, were those fun to do? Totally fun. Me and Jay started out writing the Nobody Wants to Die video because we had just gotten a handful of treatments that were you know, frankly, they're kind of terrible. And the directors, Uh-oh. they were throwing at us. We didn't like it either. I felt like it was pretty fast food. And okay. um, like, man, nobody's really trying anymore. It just seems like the same tricks. And yeah, like these, this stuff is like special to us. Like we care about these songs. And if we're going to put a visual aspect to them, I feel like we want to put the same kind of love into it that we put into writing and recording the music, you know? So I came to Jay and, and our management and said, I have an idea for the video. These treatments, they suck. They're yeah. no good, man. They're horrible. <laughs> and they're just typical, like cookie cutter. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Forget good for it. you. So I said, I have an idea. I've never written a video or like like a full treatment even. Just haven't had to do it. I've dabbled in like some stuff, but I've never wrote a full treatment. Okay. And I, when I told Jay, he said, I have an idea too. I, we said, let's write it together. Let's like do the treatment together. We talked about it. We really had the same exact idea. Like no, you know, I- when I, when I gave him the music for nobody wants to die, I had like kind of a very deserty chase kind of revenge film idea musically going he wrote a lyrical idea very much like that kind of indicated once again he put his uh, peanut butter in my chocolate yep <laughs> <laughs> and um that sounds really gross we know and, what you're talking uh, about well yeah, yeah we'll you take it out that. of context yeah. maybe yeah yeah. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> yeah and but we had the same idea so i wrote a whole video it was much more violent and, and but very much very tarantino-esque and violent mm-hmm. in a fun way and i threw it over to jay and then he said exactly i love it this is exactly what i'm thinking and then he put a bunch of his ideas into it kind of rewrote it and then gave it to me and then i kind of made edits we, we went back and forth while we were on the road in hotel rooms and got something that we really, really liked. It was still too violent and it had all these special <laughs> effects in it that we couldn't do. And also we were, I had guns and stuff in it. We were like, eh, I don't know if we want guns right now in our videos. It's AIDS. Yeah. There's a lot of weird shit going on. Yeah. People are getting shot on set and all these things with the schools that are just so unbelievably heartbreaking and, and terrible. Maybe we're just not going to have the guns. Let's just not. So we we got around it and you can see how we got around it in a pretty fun way. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The Fuzzlord character had the switchblade. Yep. Came out and Miley's got the bat with the chain link. Yeah. And I think Dave had the, or maybe Dave had that and somebody had a pipe and somebody just had a chain. Like mm-hmm. we were like, it's got to be total warrior style. <laughs> <laughs> Come out and play. <laughs> Nobody wants to die, but they know they're going to have to. Axes and nose, fingers and toes, and they know they're going to save you.
So yeah, we had a lot of fun writing it, dude. We wrote this and then we're lucky to, um, I have used a friend of mine named Shawnee DeMott, who's a producer and he hooked me up with a director named Eli Sokin and he's a great director, magical. And it's basically like, a, like had to be a passion project for everyone. There's no money, but that, that video probably should have cost us about $175,000 to make. And they gave us, I don't know, nothing. They gave us like 10 <laughs> grand. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they don't give us any money. So we have to like find these people that want to put in and love the band and love the idea. and just want to contribute. So we had that video. And once, once we had that, we wanted to keep going. And Rapture was such a different type of song. Right. I didn't um, know what I wanted to do with it, but Jay actually wrote a treatment and had this idea for Rapture and just asked me if I was okay with casting my son as the lead. So that's that's my teenage son in Rapture. On the bike? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's our bike. I got him that bike for Christmas. Nice. <laughs> you got to save money somewhere, right? That's it. Yeah. And I love the idea because the idea, I don't know if this comes through to you guys or to the listeners, but the idea was very much like a coming of age idea. We wanted to put this messenger boy in the, he's a messenger bringing the the note that the gang is coming to get you essentially to the preacher. He's, he's bringing this message. So we wanted to put little like footnotes in there where you see the guys broke down in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. kind of arguing and like, being the chuckleheads that they are. And he just buzzes right by him and delivers this note. But it's not really about the story. And that's what I really liked what Jay wrote. It was about the song. Mm-hmm. And it was about, his idea was that it was like a young man coming to his own, like a coming of age idea, I guess, you know? Okay. And somehow I get the feeling in the video like that, like his emotional challenges you can see it in his face, and mm. that's kind of what all the color represented too. Does it? Did that come across at all to you guys? What do you think? With the color, yes, because he's got this kid by himself in a desolate place. You know, that's kind of what it feels like trying to grow up. And then once in a while, you get this burst of color like, I did learn something useful, or I I am coming into my own here. or It's starting to change from black and white to technicolor from me, right? The story is about the character now, not the story. Like the story in the song is about the character in the story, not so much about the big trajectory of the story which I thought that's a cool idea and that's a hard thing. Uh, it's easy to read it, but it's hard to, to put that on camera. Yeah. So uh, we worked with a guy named Kurt Kubitschek, uh, our great friend who uh, directed that and also a bird in the hand. And uh, man, I just, it was fun doing it. I was on set. I threw color at my boy all day. <laughs> that was you. That was all of us. It was a bunch of us. Oh, okay. It was other people first. And as soon as I got up on the trailer, you know, the truck pulled him and he said, no, dad, not you. Because <laughs> they're like fire, almost like, you know, fireworks. Dad, you're going to shoot that thing in my face. I know. 
<laughs> I won't do. I'm not going to hurt you. Don't worry. But he did so good. I'm, I'm like so ultra, ultra proud of how we did. It, it was a hard day. We started the day before the sun came up and ended after the sun went down. It was oh, wow. cold. It was in the desert. It was nonstop. It was relentless. There was no break. There was a couple subway sandwiches while we drove to the next location. <laughs> it, it was hardcore, man. And he never complained. He did really amazing. And really, we would have had a hard time making that with another child actor. Let me just put it that way. I'm sure you're right. Hi, I'm Paul Stevenson from Vintage Rock Pod. And you're listening to The Ugly American Werewolf in London. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. And the fact of the matter is, even though there's there's eight songs on the record and you've already released three, Mirrors would make a great single. You know, it, it's a killer kick-ass song. And very fuzzy from you, Mr. Fuzz Lord. But I'll tell you <laughs> one I really like. And maybe you would because it is a little longer. But we talk a lot about sequencing here and how it's important to you know, start off strong, kick it up a notch on two, maybe gear shift on three. And a lot of times bands, when you get to the end, the last song is, it's not necessarily a throwaway, but it's kind of like it fades out. Dark Side could be the best song on the record. And it's yeah. it's different. So it's long. So I don't know if it's maybe single material, but and then the ominous humming at the end portends more to come from Lightbringer to me, or there's, there's very, more it's to this very story. much a to be continued. Yeah, yeah, and that maybe that's why it's the best song for you, and it's at the end because it's maybe it's just the middle. <laughs> yeah, well, and Jay playing <laughs> off your guitar, Jay's voice against your guitar. I'm like, this is solid, man. This could have been a hit, or this could have been right smack in the middle, or whatever. But I understand it's got a little mellow tuneness, and there's there's a little, you know, it, it, there's a bit of a big crunch. You know, there's a time change or signature change there. So I understand. It's almost proggy, too, with the, with the signature change. Sure. sure. I, I dig it, man. I, I can't wait. That was I, one of the first songs we finished fully. In the first week that I told you we were in Nashville recording, okay. we actually finished that song completely. That was okay. one that it was it caught fire. Yeah, everybody was really happy with it. And, you know, some songs are like singles, and mm -hmm. they have hooks everywhere, and that's how they fall. Some songs do something different in this band and in a, in, in a lot of different art for a lot of different artists. That song for us falls into another category where there's a song there and there are hooks and there's melody, you know, and there's that big riff, but mm -hmm. it's not about um, tidying that thing up. It's much more of a journey, much more of a story. And then that way it is proggy. It's telling a bigger story. It's not meant to be a three and a half minute banger right. that locks you in. It's taking you somewhere much more emotional and much more honest 
and real. And it's one of my favorite things on the record because although there is this massive, big, huge riff, which I felt was appropriate and was one of the main things that I wrote musically for that piece. I, I the Jay had the rest of that song besides this big bridge section, of course, mm-hmm. he had that, that stuff and he sent it to me playing acoustically. And I remember hearing it just laying in bed with my girl and going, let's listen to it. What's he got? <laughs> and going, Oh man, this is heavy. This is really heavy. Yeah, it is. Like just hearing it through this, through my phone with him with a guitar, like mm. this is a mood right here. And I don't want to fuck this up. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I don't no, want to mess with it too much. Like it's, <laughs> it's effective already. It's so effective. So I had the riff and then we really created a real uh, atmosphere around what he was doing. That was the idea. And it's one of my favorite things to do as a guitar player is to paint with the guitar and to create space with the instrument. So you hear a lot of like tremolo, rotary stuff, it's swelling and it disappears a lot, the guitar, you know? And it's kind of way in the background. That way you feel like you're in a big space. He's right here and I'm back here mm. doing this. So there's some kind of talking with him. Like we're talking across a football field almost. Yeah. And it's like, it's it creates a very eerie, empty, scary feeling. Uh, uh, like uh, it's very much a dark feeling when the guitar's over here speaking to that voice over here and that voice is right up against your ear right and then that big riff comes in yep. it just feels a little jilting and off-putting the whole time and i love it i love it sometimes you don't got it's not to feel warm <laughs> especially <laughs> you know Sometimes we do music to make you feel something else. And I just think we wanted to make you feel the way he felt by writing that song, you know? Well, I dig it the most, man. I know as a journalist, I'm supposed to be, it's supposed to be down the middle, but I I, I dig it. So I love the album. Man. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Thank, Thank you. Awesome. You have another well, question, Jackson? I don't have another question. I have another opinion. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, again, I love every song on here, but for, there's something about Horse's Breath, something about it yeah. that I just, it sounds to me, you were talking about being in the desert. It sounds like you're cruising in the desert. The whole thing about it's too late to turn back now. Like you kind of get that like, ooh, I don't know what's going on here. And to me, Jay's voice on this, it's different. It's lower. It's cleaner. Yeah. I know you're I know you're biased, but he's got to have the best voice in rock right now. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's phenomenal. He can go up, he can sing low. I've even seen you guys do like acoustic stuff of this, and he sounds great at, you know, probably eight in the morning or whatever you guys had to get down to the radio station to do it. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that he has the best voice in rock. And See, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. And then you can just sit there. <laughs> I love his voice. I'm happy to have him as a partner, of course. All my guys in the group. He's he's wonderful. Yeah, yeah he has his own thing. And I think what he achieved on this record, and I think on Horse's Breath, it's killer. It's killer. It's really different than anything we've done. That track doesn't really sound like a Rival Sons track so much different, traditionally. Yeah. God bless it. That's definitely what we're striving for and trying to right. achieve. Push to be more like ourselves and in that way also maybe be nothing like ourselves, you know? Be right. something completely different and pushed into an area that we've never seen. As long as it's 
feels genuine as long as it feels like honest. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It doesn't sound like anything else, but it sounds like it fits completely. And in that way, it feels more like us than anything we've ever done. (laughs) And it's weird like that, you know? So I think like Jay really, really did something that was more like Jay than um, any of our records. Like he sounds more like himself on this record than probably any of our releases. His heart is aligned with it a lot. You can hear that. You can hear it on a track like Horse's Breath, I think. So I think similar to Dark Side, he had a lot of that song. I brought the riff in for it, of course, which is very much one of those tips of the hat to like one of my favorites ever, like, like very, very Yardbirds type of idea right off the gate. That, that riff is very like heart full of soul, kind of like exploding fuzz mm-hmm. and gives it a head, gives it a theme, <laughs> but all, all that big kind of underbelly of that song, all that percolating noise and the intro and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And outro is all guitar. All that synthy sounding stuff is uh some new effects that I found and goodies. Yeah, it sounds like there's there's some kind of like compression thing that you're doing, like a won't 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 go through the middle of it. That's that's pretty you don't get it on the first listen through, but then it, it fits yeah. in really nice. I'm using all these like synth fuzz guitar pedals. So all that like on the pre-chorus, like that wow wow is all like synth guitar tones and there you go i gotta add a bunch of new shit into the rig now (laughs) but um yeah it's that song's cool because it's more than like virtual virtuosic virtuosic sure (laughs) more than more than being noodly and and like look how great i can play the guitar it really is textural and color and that's that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to create a palette, an atmosphere of tone and a feeling, you know? That's fun to me. That's cool. I don't need to pop wheelies constantly on the guitar. <laughs> yeah, you know, so you got like all this reverse, reverse kind of eastern tinged guitar and synth tones and like percolating stuff. But I think that song is uh, special because of like you said, it's just it sounds like it maybe doesn't even sound like one of our songs, but it sounds really honest, real genuine. Mm. There's a, it takes you somewhere. Right. And it's a great, great, great song for Jay. And I know we got to let you go here really quickly, but you are going to be playing up here in Louisville in September for the louder than life festival. And you've played and and I I can't wait to see you then. I hope I can get a press pass. That would be better, better than being in the front with all those crazies. But uh, you've played some of the biggest festivals on both sides of the Atlantic. You're a headliner in your own right now, but you've also opened for some of the greatest bands of all time, too. Is On the festival, is it a challenge? I mean, I know it must be great to play in front of huge crowds, but there's also a contingent of people who don't want to see you, and there are people who are there to see somebody else, and they're like, okay, Rival Sons, prove it to me. Is that like a challenge? Like, okay, let's go show these people what rock and roll is about here. You're talking to a band that's played with every major big legendary rock band i think yeah uh, acdc guns and roses rolling stones 13 months with black sabbath the farewell tour how much do you really want to see an opener that you maybe might have heard of or maybe <laughs> never heard of mm-hmm. you just don't give a shit you're yep. there to watch black sabbath and let's get on with it you know what i love it and it breaks my heart <laughs> in a way to think if people all know who you are that that goes away I love it. It's the arm wrestle, dude. You come out and people are like, don't care. And then I put them in a chokehold and mm-hmm. we do the, our thing and let's just give everything and leave it on deck. Song two, they're going like this. 
All right, that was good. That was good. <laughs> yeah. After song two, they're going, okay. Song three, they're like, I like that. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> I song four, they're out of their seats going, fuck yeah. You go, woo. And they're like, and you're going, that's it. That's it. Yeah. See, I told you guys you were going to like it. And we leave and they get up and clap us out. And it's like, they feel like they've really discovered something. And we feel like we just whipped someone's ass in a fight that everyone thought we were going to lose. Yeah. And get that every single night on tour is it's almost better than coming out to your own audience, ready to forgive you for everything and love you for anything. They'll love you for your worst. <laughs> I like that audience that's going to gonna golf clap you when you're at your best until they're really convinced. I like mm -hmm. it. I like yeah. it. Love it. I think it's healthy. I think it's humbling. I think it keeps me full of humility and my feet on the ground and nice. makes my band work harder and makes us a better band than we could be. You know, there is nothing better than going to a show. Like you said, oh, can't wait to see Black Sabbath. Ooh. And then you get in there in the opening act, eh, whatever, let's just get there over with. Hey, wait a minute. These guys are really good. And then by the end, somebody asked you, well, how was the Black Sabbath show? Black Sabbath show was great. But listen, the band before them, you got to hear them. I've never heard them before. Love them. So, yeah, that is that is a treat when you get somebody who really is great and turns you on to something new. And as people, I still feel that. When I go see a band, I feel that way. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? If I see something great I never heard of, it's the greatest moment of my life. I feel like I'm a musician. <laughs> like when I see that, that's real, live, undistilled inspiration. That's important mm -hmm. to me. That's like the lifeblood for me. Like, oh my God, these guys are killing it. Yes. <laughs> and that's, I'm looking for a band to put on, on tour with us that's going to do that. Like, let's put somebody on that's going to shame us every night. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's see. Keep Go for your toes. It. Yeah. Go for it because we bring everything on stage. So if you got, I want to bring the, the best, baddest new band. I'm looking for it. Please give us a run for our money. Please and thank you. We have great bands out with us on this run. We have Starcrawler, who's great, interesting. I've already had fans write me and say they're offended. Awesome. <laughs> That's what art does. It offends. It makes you feel something. If you don't like it, go grab a soda pop or go to use the bathroom. I don't know. No offense to anybody. But, I mean, I, I like them. I think they're great. They're great kids. They're nice people. And they're bringing the heat really hard. Record companies out with us. Great band, great players. Black Angels will be out. I'm a huge fan of those guys, too. I like it. Let's do it. Bring it, you guys. Because we're bringing shit every night. We're going to make people forget about you. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, look, a friend of the show, friend of the show, Marcus Goldman, WMR, told me that you were a great guy and one of the, the coolest guests and friends in rock and roll that he's had. He wanted me to tell you hello, by the way. Mark's in the darkest, man. Yeah. That's right. A, a wonderful guy, man. Thank you. But he was right. He was right. We've really enjoyed this so much, man. And you definitely have two huge Rival Sons fans here. And I can't wait for my opportunity to see you live. If if not a louder than life, at some point here real soon. Come backstage and drink my band's beers. I, I don't drink <laughs> beers, so you guys can come back and have them. All righty. <laughs> All right. I'll do that. Scott. This was a lot of fun for us, man. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I want you to kick ass and have fun in uh, Atlanta and Chattanooga and Nashville these next few nights. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for all the kind words about the record. It was totally fun. Thanks. And then, you know, when the next one comes out, we would love to have you back. Absolutely. Let's do it. I can't wait till you guys hear the next one. Get ready. It's something different. 
Is it December or do you know yet when you're going to do that? I think it's going to be October. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we're we're hoping for um mid-October. All right. So we'll, we'll be we'll ready see. for that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready and if i can send any advance out sometimes we get a little list of advance outs i'll make sure you guys get one thank oh, you so the much you're the man okay That's awesome all right all right fellas be careful out there on the road man have fun deep see you max see you action jackson thank you <laughs> see you fellas how cool is that motherfucker jackson so here's the thing i in the next little while maybe buying a plane ticket to louisville for the 24th of september for louder than life yeah because that would be a lot of fun to go there with him and i do have connections i do know we can get tickets i don't know that i can get us backstage real easily but as far as seeing him that's no problem but yeah really cool dude very very unassuming very like i said i, th I thought he was a fan of just music in general which came across Pretty big time. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, we could have spent another probably two hours talking to him about other stuff just besides his stuff. Absolutely. I mean, we didn't even get into his style. He looks mm -hmm. cool as hell uh, on yeah. stage, man. Yeah. He's got the bespoke suits. He's got the, the, the curled mustache and he's always got his shades on. What a bad, I mean, not just, and there's nothing wrong with having long hair and jeans on. That's fine. But he's like, no. I am a rock star. I'm going to look the part. And he does, man. Well, you know, I don't, I was thinking about that and I don't know what got me onto this, but I was looking at grunge stuff the other day, just oh, kind of going back and just thinking, come on, you look like who could be, okay, I, let's play a game. Who can look more like a homeless person? I mean, you're supposed to like, you want a rock star to be pimped and crimped. Yes. Everything looks good. Got the, not like, oh yeah, I just found this on the floor and put it on and came out on stage. Nope. No, and I, I like I saw Fred Durst the other day on on like on a stage on like a video or something like that, uh -huh. and 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 he still dresses. He's got to be like fifty like us, but he still dresses the exact same way he did the nineties, like the long, the two long shorts, the hat on backwards, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, dude, you look like an idiot now. I mean, maybe <laughs> when you were 25 and that was the look, fine, but now. Like you haven't changed. Like and if right. I was like, yeah, I'm still a kid. I'm like, nah, you're still an idiot. Yeah, Your music no. still sucks. And that's Nobody why we need said. rival sons to come along and get people like that <laughs> out of the goddamn way. <laughs> you know, so like the old timers like us who maybe you didn't see rival sons or you didn't know them because hey, if they didn't make any music before 1995, I don't know who the hell you are. Stop that. Go out and get Rival Sons' new record today. Dark Fighter comes out June 2nd. Sounds like the new one's coming out in October. Mm. And, and the thing is, like almost all their albums have come out in June. First album, June 2009. EP, June 2010. Pressure Time, June 2011. Great Western Valkyrie, June 2014. Hollow Bones, June 2016. They have something with the month of June with their records. And this one, I haven't listened to all of them all the way through to review them like we would for a show. And there's some great stuff on there. But this one is like they're really coming forward. This one is really mm. damn good. I mean, there there is not one track on this on this record that I don't like. I mean, they're no. not. They're, I'm not gonna tell you they're all my favorite, but there isn't one that I would be like, eh, no, I can skip this one. Nope. And he's right. The nice part is it's not an hour and change where you're like, okay, enough already. I can't take this. It's just long enough where you're like, hey, I want more. Well, good because you're getting more in October. Exactly. And I can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait to have him back. Can't wait to hopefully see him live. It's going to be awesome. I know. And the thing is, I I'm the worst. You said this at the top of the show. I'm the worst. Oh, it's a new band. Oh, no, no. Sorry. I, I don't have time for that. And yet, all I want is to hear some new <laughs> rock and roll. You know? It it's well, kind of like, I don't care about singles. I just want to hear about the album. I want to hear the whole album. 
But right. if you have no singles to get me to buy the album, I'm not going to listen, right? <laughs> you want to hear new music. That's awesome. And that's what this is. What a fun interview and time we had with Scott Holiday of Rival Sons there. A great guy and a real talent. And I'm so glad that I got turned on to their new album, Dark Fighter. I have to thank Talita and his PR team for getting that to me. I love getting new music before it comes out. I love to learn about bands that I don't know a ton about because I just don't have the time to go seek them out anymore. And the way I find new music now is very different from what it was when I was growing up. You know, So bands like Rival Sons could slip under my radar, slip through the cracks. And like, oh, yeah, I've heard that song. Oh, yeah, they, you know, I, I, I know them, but yeah, you know, I, I don't know that much about them. So glad that I know them now. Now I have all their albums, right? Had none of their albums. Now I've got them all. And I've got Dark Fighter pre-ordered. And I suggest you do the same. Go to RivalSons.com and go pre-order Dark Fighter. It is a killer album. Great rock and roll. Lots of fun on there. And obviously Lightbringer will be coming out a little later in the year. So that's something else to look forward to. Kind of band that we love, right? Not a whole lot of lineup changes. They get out there and work. I mean, he's talking about eighth and ninth records coming out in 15 years, you know, and touring relentlessly as an opening act, as a headliner, in stadiums and open-air festivals around the world. They're keeping rock and roll alive, guys. We complain, oh, rock is dead. Well, that's because record companies don't want to invest in a rock band and invest in four guys and hope that they stick together for 15 or 20 years. No, it's a lot easier to find a pretty girl, have this person write their songs, have this person over here arrange them, have these people record them, have these other people tour with her. That's easy. Easy to control one person versus four or five. But that's not where the best music comes from, in my opinion. It comes from a group of guys getting together, finding a sound, and then forging their way forward. And that's what Rival Sons are. So you got to go check them out. Go see them on tour. Order Dark Fighter. So I want to know, did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? Did we leave out your favorite part? You let us know. Email us. It's UglyAmericanWerewolf at gmail.com where you can let us know about the albums, the bands, the concerts, the DVDs, the books that you want to hear us talk about. Hit us up on Twitter. It's at Ugly underscore Werewolf or at ActionJack72 and at Ugly underscore werewolf. You can find our shop, the Ugly American Werewolf in London shop, where you can get t-shirts and tchotchkes with our logos on it with Father's Day coming up. You might want to check that out. Not to mention, check out our sponsors, rarevinyl.com, and use our new code UGLY, U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi. Need a Father's Day present or you want to drop a hint to someone in your family what you want, go to rarevinyl.com and use that code UGLY to find that rare album that you've always been looking for. Thanks to Pantheon Podcast for making us part of the family. We are proud members. And next week, we've got more rock stars lined up for you. Yeah, that's right. We've got the legendary Terry Reed coming on the show. Talk about a new album he's on with the Cosmic American Derelicts. And we'll have George from the Cosmic American Derelicts on as well. That's going to be a great one. So I hope you tune in for that. And until next time, to all you rock and rollers all around the world, be cool and stay safe. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie 
Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who kill their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.